strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. We got Did You Hear This coming up at 1120. We do it every day at 1120 to catch you up on the big headlines, and it's been a very, very busy, moving uh, news day. Uh, McCarthy is up 161-154 with six others still hanging on with the possibility that McCarthy, with the 12th vote, could see the Speaker's job. Some hardliners on the GOP side of the 20 holdouts have flipped. We'll see if enough flip to give him that Speaker's job. We'll keep an eye on this and let you hear more as the show goes on when the vote is, is totaled. Um, and uh, is the 12th time going to be the charm is the question. I talked with Brandon Judd. Brandon Judd is the president of the Border Patrol Council. So it's the union that represents the rank and file Border Patrol agents across the nation. And Brandon Judd has been a frequent guest here and a very big critic of the Biden administration policies. A couple of things he was talking about. I asked him yesterday what the president said. Agree with what he said. Disagree with what he said. What did he think of what the president said yesterday with his border policies? That it's just repackaging the, the, the original six pillars that he came up with that, that failed miserably. There is one thing that, that DHS later came out and, and released. They said that they're going to implement a rule that requires people to claim asylum in the first safe third country that they come to. If they actually implement that, that will be a game changer. So that's the idea is the, the first safe country. So if you are escaping, let's say you are escaping and where the countries they talk about was uh, I think it was Nicaragua. They talked about um, also Haiti. They talked about um, Cuba. They talked about um, Venezuela, that when you're escaping those countries, that if you are trying to escape the oppression there, the first safe country you come to. Mexico. You have to make your application in that country for asylum into the U.S. If they do that, if they enforce that, that will make a huge difference. And um, but his questions were was whether or not he believes it will happen. So he went on to talk about the the what the president said, if any of it's going to help. Nothing else in in what they put out um, will do anything um, to change what's going on on the border. That one thing will do it. So one of the things that the president did talk about was funding. He kind of laid a lot of this responsibility at the feet of Republicans and said if um, if. Uh you know, if the Republicans would have voted for some of the things he wanted and some of the spending he wanted, these things would be dramatically different. So I asked him about more assets and more agents on the border and if that would make a difference. If you do not have the right policy, if you don't have the right programs, if you don't have the right oper- operations, it doesn't matter how many agents. We could line the entire southwest border, 2,000 miles of southwest border, and we could line it up agents holding hands. If we continue to release people, if all people have to do is put one foot in in the United States and I have to take them in custody and they ultimately get released, they're going to continue to come. So and that that's, you know, again, now Brandon is somebody that heads up the aid the uh, union that represents the rank and five border patrol agents. Um, and uh, and I asked him about the president coming here. Would if the president were to when the president goes to the border, um, do you think do you anticipate a conversation with the president? One of the things that this president has always done is he, he doesn't speak with people that disagree with him. He just absolutely doesn't do it. Um, and because I have vehemently disagreed with what he has done on the on the border to this point and, and provide and I provide the evidence um, and all the facts to back it up because of that there's no way in the world. He's going to he's going to speak with me. 
you know, this issue is not a partisan issue. There are some people on the opposite. There are some people here that say we should be just allowing people to come. We have to have an orderly system. I don't think you're going to find anybody that is as pro-immigration as I am. I am absolutely pro-immigration. I don't think it should be a wealth test. I don't think we should only be welcoming wealthy people into this country. We haven't in the past. We haven't had a wealth requirement. I think that what we should be doing is having a mixture because we've seen very, very, very good people, hardworking people live the American dream, not become exceptionally wealthy, but become successful. I've told the stories of many of them that I've grown up around. It's not anecdotal. I've seen it with my own eyes. And I've seen two things. One is when given an opportunity, they succeed. And secondly, the love that they have for this country comes from the opportunity they were given. That they realize it wouldn't have mattered how hard they would have worked or what they would have done where they came from. It was the structure of the United States that gave them the opportunity to achieve what they've achieved. And they love the nation for that. They love the idea of the freedom of speech, especially, again, the people. I'm sure it's the same when I talk to my friends that are from Russia, but my friends from Cuba that talk about the brown coats and talk about how the the government controls your speech and that you can't speak out. And if you speak out against the government, you're literally taken away to reeducate you. You know, that's that's a that's a strange place to be. Well, I also talked with Brandon Judd about the Arizona senators. I asked him about Senators Kelly and Senator Cinema. Have you talked with them? Both Senator Kelly and, and Senator Cinema have been very good. I was back in Washington D.C. just a couple of weeks ago working with Senators with Senator Cinema on legislation on this exact issue, the safe third country issue. Um, she was willing to go forward with that legislation, so she has um, actually been looking at what are the solutions. I know that Senator. Kelly has also um, been looking at what solutions uh, could be done. It just depends on whether we, whether we actually codify that into law. And that all, that is always the question. And he and it, it was interesting because he was making the um, he was making the the statement that he believes that the president what he's doing now it's political pressure going into 2024. That if this is a policy change, if it is something that is changed by policy, meaning it's a directive from the president to the head of Homeland Security and Secretary Mayorkas, and then it's it filters down to what happens with boots on the ground, a policy change. He believes will be temporary in order to get reelected. He thinks that there is no real commitment, in which I think is a fair based on track record. I don't think that's a bad thing. So he said he wants to see it done legislatively. He wants to see the Congress come up with laws that change how we handle the border and change some of these things legislatively. Get it to the president's desk where it's put in writing so it's not easily changed by another executive order that changes the policy down the road. Again, that's that, I, I find that to be fascinating, absolutely fascinating. So uh, as we stand right now, uh, McCarthy has not got the votes that he needs in order to win the speaker's race. He's trailing Jeffries by four votes. But the other's vote is the one we're watching. Right now it stands at seven, and I think the threshold is eight. He is holding out and now has the possibilities. It gets closer to the end of the vote. So before the end of the show, we'll let you know how this vote goes. Are we going to have a House speaker? Coming up in a moment, we have our uh, Did You Hear This segment of the show. So please stick around. Strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, let's get caught up on the big headlines. Did you hear this? 
you hear this? Broomhead's reaction to the hottest news stories. President of the National Border Patrol Council, Brandon Judd, talked about his frustrations with the lack of new policies provided by President Biden to help the southern border. What you do is you come up with the policy first, come up with the programs, come up with the operations. Once you have those programs and operations in place, then you can evaluate how much money is needed. Otherwise, all you're doing is is throwing down the black hole. What could be a part of a bipartisan legislation that would be effective and not throw money away? I think part of it is what he talked about multiple times in that conversation about making sure that if people want to apply for asylum in the U.S., they do so at the first safe country they get to, if it's Mexico or otherwise. So when they're safe out of their country, they can go to the American consulate or find another way to apply for asylum in America without crossing into our country first. I think that would be the number one thing. If they could get that through, pass that through legislatively, would make the biggest difference to the people coming to our border. While wages have risen about 4.6% over the past year, inflation has not been so kind. The typical American family right now is spending about $400 more a month on the same goods and services as they were last year. Grocery prices, they're up almost 11% from a year ago. Will rate hikes continue as long as prices remain high? Yeah, I think that we're seeing all of this. What's difficult about this is across the board, you see what's happening with eggs now with the bird flu. We've seen a 50% increase in the price of eggs. You think about the enormity of just in your household of what you use eggs for. Now look at the restaurant industry. Look at the school system that's cooking school lunches. It is really tough right now for people to get the necessities they need. And until we get a grip on this, until we figure out how we're going to solve this problem, people are going to be hurting for a much longer time by having to pay for the necessities with all of their income and sometimes more than they already make. You are listening to Did You Hear This? We do it every day at the time to catch you up on the headlines. Calls for emergency services from the Phoenix Fire Department service continue to grow. They ran over 105,000 calls. That's 20,000 calls more than they ran in 2021. What can the city do to support the department through this major growth spurt? There are a couple of things. They need to be planning for the future. There's projected growth in a lot of their budgets, but they have to put a more budget into public safety. We need to build fire stations faster. We need better equipment. We need better trucks for the firefighters and the rescue crews to work out of, which means there's got to be closer because traffic gets bad as well. There needs to be firehouses closer to populated areas. You think of the immense growth we see going north and west and east here in the valley, and you think about how many fire stations we need. If we could get those built, project the growth and build for the growth that's coming your way, that's going to be one of the best ways that they can do it. And they do the same thing with policing. And you put a push out there to get the people you need, the equipment you need, and everything they need to be, once they're on the job, that they're fully staffed. The 12th round of voting for House Speaker appears to have finished and it's making waves in the history books. This is historic. As of um, the ninth vote that we were taking yesterday, that was uh, the record was in 1923, the last time it took that many rounds of voting for the Speaker to be elected. Should this fourth day of voting be considered an embarrassment or is it simply democracy playing out? I think it's just, you know, it's the way it's all playing out. There were some that flipped. It came a lot closer from McCarthy. Um, last saw, I saw it was 213, 211 to 7. But it doesn't look like that even with the votes remain that we haven't seen counted yet. Um, it doesn't look like he's going to have what he needs to get there, but they're much closer. There are about 14 people that flipped from the other side. We have to see now if what it's going to take for the rest of these holdouts to vote for McCarthy or if it is just dead in the water and they have to come up with a brand new plan. The fact of the matter is we need a speaker. We need to move forward. And if you're if you're going to be an obstructionist, I have no problem with people saying, no, this isn't right. 
you got to tell people what is right. you got to come up with a plan that people can get behind. You also have to be a part of the solution. You can't just be a big part of the problem. Let's see what they do on the solution side of this. Great job, Julia. Once again, that's Did You Hear This for another day. We will do it again tomorrow. Uh, I'm sorry, on Monday. We're not doing it tomorrow. We're off tomorrow. We'll do it again on Monday at 1120. Um, I want to talk. I've got the economy in front of me, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. Absolutely. But I also, before we finish out the show, want to talk about this speaker's race and uh, how you know it is an important piece of a. American politics. Who we elect to this is not just about partisan this or partisan that in a wish list. It goes much, much deeper. And I hope that the totality, the enormity of that position is something that people are taking. And I could say this about so many other elections. Are we voting for people that are best equipped and the best qualified? Or does this become a popularity contest or the opposite? Are we voting against someone because we just don't like them as a person? And if that's the case, are we not starting to cut off our nose to spite our own face? And what I mean by that is if there are people that are qualified but you don't like them, There's a difference between disagreeing with their policy and not liking who they are. And I just wonder if it's dangerous, if we're getting into a dangerous place. So I want to talk about that before we close it out. But I've got the economy stuff in front of me and some of the things that are happening that are very, very concerning to the experts. So we're going to talk economy and what direction we're headed next. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. All right, getting close to our weekend. Hope you got a great one planned. Happy Friday from the Mike Broomhead Show. Juan Siscomani joined us. He is the representative-elect from District 6 in Arizona. He is in the middle of this uh, fight for the Speaker's office. He nominated McCarthy from the floor. I'm going to start with why he is supporting. Why are you supporting him? Now, there are three, four, three against in the Republican delegation when it comes to McCarthy. And I haven't seen the votes yet and seen if it was any Arizona representatives that flipped. But this is why Juan Siscomani says he supports McCarthy. Well, I like the vision that he has. He, of course, uh, led not only the us winning the House back this year, but he won seats last year when nobody thought we could. So he's been working harder than anyone that I've seen to get us back the majority. We have the majority right now in a big part thanks to the effort that the efforts that he made. Also, the the vision around the commitment to America, where we have to focus around the border, we have to focus around the economy, around accountability on the government, and our future based on education. So the vote is 213 for McCarthy. The threshold is 218, so he's five votes short of getting it. It's 213, 211 to seven others. There were a number of the Republican holdouts that flipped to get him even closer to the vote than he was before, but not close enough. He's at 213. So what that what now needs to happen? And I asked him about this. I said, what concessions are people looking for that would make them flip their vote? Or is it just dead in the water? Is there no way that McCarthy can get 218? The other Discussions are around debt ceiling, um, uh, also term limit voting, and then making a pledge for that. There, there are some some things out there that can be resolved, and that's why I'm optimistic that we're gonna we're gonna get a speaker soon. I don't know when, but but we're gonna get there. And that was my question: was how quickly is this going to happen? Are we going to have one uh, soon? And uh, I asked him. It, so look now in retrospect, I wanted to see if he would say he believed that McCarthy would get elected at noon today in this 12 o'clock vote, which 
did not happen. But I asked him what's going to happen today. We're going to meet at noon and we're going to go through this vote uh, one more time for a 12th time. And uh, and I'm, I'm hoping that we do. But uh, I don't know exactly when, but I'm, I'm very confident that we will. This is this is what our system is built around. And uh, I said yesterday we were airing our grievances on uh, national television, but this is the cost of leadership. And this is our government and we embrace it and we're going to get there for sure. Now, part of the fallout of this is Juan Siscomani is a representative elect. He is not a representative yet because he has not been sworn in because we don't have a Speaker of the House. We are kind of at a standstill in Washington, D.C. until this is resolved. And part of the issue also has to do with the border. The president talked about the border. I talked earlier. I played uh, cuts from Brandon Judd, who is the president of the Border Patrol Council, the union that represents Border Patrol agents. But I also asked Mr. Siscomani about this, about what's going on at the, at, at the border. And uh, I asked Asked him, what can Congress do? What can the Congress do with border issues? The main things that Congress can do on this, the House of Representatives, is, of course, hold the administration accountable. That oversight piece is very important and has been missing this entire time. Mayorkas has not been brought in for questions on this, has not had to answer to Congress on anything. Congress hasn't even been meeting on this issue. So that is one big step that we will do. And the other one, of course, is funding. Uh, the, the, the House of Representatives uh, controls the, the funding, uh, the, the power of the purse, and the money bills start here. And this is where we're another leverage of power that we'll have. So the business of the people needs to be done. And that's where all of this is starting to fall. And this is why this becomes very important. The other part of this is let's not forget that the Speaker of the House is second in line behind the vice president to become president of the United States if the president and the vice president leave the office. Now, it is a very important office. It is a very powerful position in Washington, D.C. when you are the Speaker of the House. So what we are seeing right now is a lot of people that are either taking that very seriously and saying we are not going to elect the wrong person to that, or at least we are not going to elect somebody that we don't necessarily trust unless we get some really big concessions in writing to make sure that things don't go in the wrong direction for us, or this has just become a put your foot down and do nothing and compromise. Uh, the word compromise doesn't mean compromise your principle. There are certain things that are non-negotiable. I mean, in any relationship, it could be an interpersonal relationship. It could be a business deal. It can be going to buy an automobile. It could be buying a home. There are certain things. You know, when I went to buy my house, one of the things I did when I sat down with my real estate agent, we talked about what are the things that are non-negotiable. Your next home has to have blank. And there were things in there that were non-negotiable for me. But you're never going to find anything perfect. I don't care what the relationship is. Husband and wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, doesn't matter to me what it is. Nothing is perfect. What is the best that you can make of it? You're going to offer something that they know that they're not going to be able to find that deal anywhere else. And I know in interpersonal relationships, it's not quite the same when emotions get involved. But you understand that when you're in a relationship with someone, you want to make sure it's 50-50. You know, one of the things around here, I love working for this company that I work for. Uh, my concern is I want to make sure they love me as much as I love them. I want to make sure that they feel as if they're getting value for what they pay me, that they want me to be around. That's a relationship. When you're talking about a business deal, because part of this relationship is a business deal, they're going to pay me a salary to do this show. Do I feel as if I'm being fairly compensated? Do you think you're paying me enough? Do you think maybe you're paying me too much? There's a business side to this. 
And nobody ever gets everything they want. Nobody ever does. And to cut off your nose to spite your face never makes any sense. It usually doesn't end well for either party. So until we start hearing what solutions are going to be, and I don't know what the answer, I'll be honest, I don't know what the answer to that is. You know, what is it that the holdouts are looking for? Because if McCarthy, and there may be some of those people in the holdouts that will say, McCarthy is just a deal breaker for me. Fine. You can't be won over. So then what is your solution? Stopping everything from moving forward just for the sake of stopping everything from moving forward or at least giving that appearance doesn't do any good. The business of the American people is at hand. The American people deserve – we're going to talk about the economy in a few moments and what we need to do moving forward about some of the mistakes that I believe have been made. And if the um, if the Republicans um, – uh, if, uh, um, if the Republicans want to make sure – that they have um, control of the House, gain more seats in 2024, can win the White House and possibly take over the Senate. They're going to have to show something. And right now that's not happening. Coming up in a few moments, we are going to talk about the economy and we're going to get to that coming up here in, in just a couple of moments. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Bloomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here once again. The big news that's happened is the uh, what's happened in Washington is they had the 12th vote for Speaker of the House, and although McCarthy came closer than he has before, he did not get to the 218 threshold, which means they're going to have to vote again. They're going back to negotiations. Will he be able to get some of the other Republican holdouts to vote in his favor? And there are such big implications in this, and most of you understand that. The government really is going to be at a standstill until this gets resolved. What is it going to take to resolve this issue? And it does play a lot into the rules and what it ends up being the minutia, the, the boring stuff for people. But in the end, we all want to be able to move forward. And again, as myself, as a registered Republican, I look at the opportunity for Republicans who now have, although not a big majority, a majority in the House, which means they control the body. If they can get a speaker and be able to move things in the right direction, in my opinion, we are seeing changes that have been made. We are going to see an enormous tax increase uh, on some people. Many of you, it may not affect you, but uh, well, directly, but it's going to indirectly affect a lot of people. Um, I I talked about this. I've got the economy stuff sitting in front of me again. to be able to pick apart what's working and what isn't working. Um, California, people are fleeing. New York, people are fleeing. And I'm going to tell you, California is a beautiful place. Um, I love New York. I've, I've had the privilege of going to New York to work. And then when all I'm there, I do touristy stuff. But um, And I don't know New York as well as many other people. But going to Midtown New York is – Midtown Manhattan is amazing. Um Staying right near Broadway at 44th and and between Broadway and Avenue of the Americas, the number of times I had been there and working there for days at a time and just walking that neighborhood and going down to ground zero and walking around and seeing these these landmark places, you know, a Radio City Music Hall and and going to Grand Central and and the and the New York Public Library and and taking in Times Square. I love the city in New York. I don't I would never live there because it just is so expensive to live there. 
the taxes between federal, state, and local taxes is oppressive. And the more money you have, the more they take. And there are millionaires. If you look at the number, there was a, a record set for a month of the number of millionaires that have left New York and went to Florida where there is no state income tax. And it is going to make Florida a better place. It is going to make it a more vibrant, more affluent place. So you see real estate going for ungodly amounts of money where there's water in Florida, down in the coast, on the Gulf Coast. And I love, I'm partial to the Gulf Coast. I know a lot of people like Miami and Fort Lauderdale, and, and it's a very cool place to be. South Beach is an amazing place if you've ever been. But the Gulf of Mexico to me is is the Gold Coast. It is truly The water is warm. The sand is white. It's beautiful. The people are great. Property is very expensive. But what wealthy people bring with them when they bring their wealth is the expectation. Things, the cost, the quality of life goes up. And um, that is what we're seeing in Arizona as people are coming here. Texas is the number one destination as people are leaving California. California is gorgeous. I mean, I goof on California. I'm not a big fan of the sports teams. That's how I knew I was kind of a, a transplanted Arizona now is I just naturally don't like any of the sports teams from California. Um, and they make it easy not to like them. But um, it's a beautiful place. And when you go there, it's gorgeous to be in Beverly Hills and in, in, in Southern California, San Diego. Um, and I've, I've never been to San Diego. I know that's weird. I've been 28 years. I've never been to San Diego. But Southern California, the parts that I've been to are gorgeous. The beaches are amazing. Going to Venice Beach is fun. Um, so people are leaving because they have to, not necessarily because they want to. But people are going to flee an oppressive economy. You can say that the rich have to pay their fair share. It is such a joke the way they keep changing the tax code. And then what you end up seeing is the ultra rich, the mega rich, the mega wealthy pay very, very, very little because they pay the accountants to make sure they do it within the law. You hear people talking about paying almost nothing, but no one's accusing those corporations of doing it illegally. They're doing it within the law. Change the law. The president of the United States has been a part of the tax code for over 50 years because that's how long he was in the Congress. He was a senator. Then he was vice president. Now he's the president. He's been a big part of those laws that have been morphed and changed and massaged over the years. So if you want things to be fair, make them fair. But if you're working within the tax laws, if there is a deduction out there that the tax code says I am entitled to, I'm going to take it. I'm going to make sure I take what I'm entitled to in a tax break. I'm going to pay as little in income tax as I have to, as many of you do, as I think most of us do. And it shouldn't be as difficult as it is for us to do our taxes, but it is. But when we look at this stuff, when we look at how things are done and we start getting frustrated, the class warfare always comes into it. But if you look what's happening in Arizona, for the people that have been here, like I I said, I've been here almost 28 years. When you've been in Arizona a long time and you watch now what's happening in the North Valley and the East Valley, and I never want to discount the huge investment over time and now with money as well and continuing investment, continued investment over decades of Intel. But you now have this new chip plant up in the North Valley, but you have Intel in the East Valley and you look at what they're doing. 
you look at the incredible growth that they have and what that's going to do for satellite businesses that will prop up, that businesses that will grow and flourish around them, and the price of property and homes will go up, and it's going to be a better quality of life. We need more of that, and you do that with tax structure that is friendly as opposed to unfriendly to wealth, and I just hope that they do it. All right, we're just about out of time, as you can hear. If you'd like to follow me on social media and keep in touch this weekend, at Broomhead KTAR is where you find me on Twitter. At Broomhead Show is the Twitter account for the show that updates you on guests. And otherwise, please follow both. Or find me on Instagram at Mike Broomhead, all one word. That's the way you can keep in touch during the weekend. I would love to stay in touch and have a conversation. We're going to be back beginning again Monday morning at just after 8 o'clock. Hopefully my voice will be better. Have a great weekend. God bless. We'll be right back.